The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. There came a sound from heaven, a mighty rushing wind. It filled their hearts with singing. And tonight, I'd like to talk to you about how you and I can be water walkers. How you and I can become water walkers. How you and I, I pray, can do something extraordinary in our Christian life. Because all of us have a skill set. It could be music, it could be teaching. Some people have this awesome ability of being able to look at something that is broke and fix it. Uh, Some have the ability to decorate wonderfully. Uh, Some have the ability to make the outside look gorgeous. And all of that is is wonderful. And as we are a local body here, uh, we all fit together so that you can help me, I can help you, and As I do my part, you do your part. It comes together in a beautiful picture uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, But uh, I pray that as God has given you something, some would argue God's given me nothing, but God has given you something. There's something God's given you that's unique to you and your personality, your education or lack thereof. It it doesn't matter. And and so I want to encourage uh, all of us uh, to seek to do something extraordinary with the talent set God has given you, that God has given me. And I want to give you about 89 points on how you and I can walk on water tonight. How's that? They gave me the pulpit relatively early, so I'll I'll pull out the extended version of the message tonight. I hope you don't mind. But in Matthew chapter 14, look at verse 25 through 32. Now, part of this um, uh, scripture I did talk about several months ago. I hope you remember on a Sunday night, I gave you a message on three cheers from Jesus. My son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. And then, uh, be be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. And in this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so, be of good cheer, number two, is in our reading, but it is not the the topic of of our talk tonight. It says in verse 25, Matthew 14, And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Verse 28, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he, speaking of Jesus, said, Come. 
And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. So let me just share with you a few points tonight so that you and I can become water walkers, do something extraordinary in our Christian walk tonight, and I hope help you get out of your boat, whatever your boat may be. Because realize this story that is typically focused on Peter could easily be focused on the other 11 disciples that stayed in the boat. And I don't want to stay in my boat. I want to walk on water. I want to do something as God gives me breath, something extraordinary for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together as we start tonight. Father, as we know, we can do nothing without your love, mercy, grace, and power. So please, Heavenly Father, despite who I am, use me tonight. Please let your spirit flow through me to my brothers and sisters in Christ here so that tonight we may hear from you, receive instruction from your word, and may we go out of this place challenged to do something for our Savior, something that would advance your kingdom, something that would result in lost souls coming to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. So please, Heavenly Father, you meet with us, you work in people's hearts and minds, and Father, you, through your Spirit, change us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you know, our life is certainly a journey, and we have one trip, we have one time to go through this life, and when you look at it, and you can kind of boil it down into many different statements, but life in general is a battle between faith and fear. We are going to be governed by our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, or we are going to be governed by the fear of the circumstances that surround us. And as we look at this wonderful story in Matthew chapter 14, Jesus sends his disciples across the sea. So this was something that Jesus had his disciples enter into. This trouble, this storm, was not because of sin in anyone's life or disobedience in anyone's life. Jesus was sending his disciples into a storm to test their faith, to see if fear was going to reign or if faith was going to reign. Uh, Jesus, in a sense, was going to see uh, who of the disciples was going to walk on water, the disciples that would get out of the boat, get out of their comfort zone, and do something extraordinary, or what disciples would stay in the boat, stay in their comfort zone, and kind of just do the what's expected or 
what's not necessarily extraordinary for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the first point I would like to make tonight, if you're going to be a water walker, if you're going to get out of your boat and do something extraordinary for God in your life, you must first recognize God's presence. You must first recognize God's presence. As I said, Jesus led his disciples across the sea knowing that the storm was going to arise. Roughly around 3 o'clock in the morning, the disciples were worried about not necessarily making it to the other side. The disciples were just worried if they were going to live. That's how bad this storm was for seasoned sailors. And as they were now concerned whether they were going to live or die, they look out on the horizon amidst the storm and the waves and the mists, in the mist, and they see a shadow coming. The shadow is drawing closer. It's a figure of a man, and we know that it is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would like just to stop and say this for a minute. Being boatless didn't hinder Jesus. He didn't need a boat to get to the other side. We sometimes restrict ourselves because we say, I need this, I need that in order to do this. But my friends, we sometimes don't need this or need that. What we need is to live in the presence of God and allow God to give us exactly what we need for the task at hand. And so I'd just like to say that as kind of a side, uh, being boatless didn't hinder Jesus. He was going where he wanted to go. He was going to do what he needed to do, regardless if he had a boat or not. But the disciples, and rightfully so, they're terrified. I'm sure in that circumstance I would be terrified. They cried out in fear, wondering who this might be, and as we know, it's Jesus. But you know, sometimes when we're in the midst of a storm or in the midst of trouble, do we not sometimes have a hard time noticing Jesus? And may I say this, just because Jesus is silent doesn't mean he's absent. He's still there. All we need is eyes of faith to see him, because often in the middle of the storm that we have in our lives, when we are tormented by waves, waves of disappointment, uh, waves of doubt, sometimes we are no better at recognizing God's presence in our life. And sometimes we can be critical. I think sometimes as we read the stories of the Bible, whether Old or New Testament, we become hypercritical of these people uh, that God has placed in the Bible. But really, if you and I were to put ourselves in that same situation, my friends, would we fare any better or any different from these people? You think about it. What was Jesus up to? Walking on the water. What was he up to? Obviously, there's a purpose. Now, Jesus wasn't racing them to the other side. I don't think that was the point. I don't think Jesus was uh, showing his disciples a really neat trick, you know, that he could walk on water. 
I have a friend back in Michigan that says he can walk on water, but he, he gives the caveat that it has to be frozen. But he, he says, he, he makes the statement all the time that he can walk on water. But I believe Jesus, and you can look at this in different ways, but one of the ways is that Jesus was attempting to communicate a message of importance to his disciples that he is with them in times that we would, we would say are good and times when we would classify as bad. Times when the sun is shining and it's beautiful versus times when uh, the waves are high, the wind is blowing, and the rain is falling. My friends, the presence of God is there. And may you and I take the time and have eyes of faith and notice the presence of God in our lives. Because when we notice the presence of God in our lives, we are more likely to get out of our boat and walk on water because I want to be where Jesus is, not where everybody else is. Even if Jesus is out of the boat. God was calling His disciples to do something extraordinary, to experience the power of God in their lives. Matthew also wants us to know that Jesus, and this is so true, comes sometimes when He is least expected. In this story, it's three in the morning in the middle of a storm. And sometimes, human extremity is the frequent meeting place with God. Sometimes it's when God shows up and makes His presence known even more vividly is in our extremity. When things are falling apart, when we are in the midst of the storm, those divinely appointed defining moments will come to you and me. And God still asks, even in the midst of a storm, even in the midst of a time of trouble, God is asking you, and He's asking me to do something through His power and through His grace and mercy, something extraordinary. But if you're not looking for them, you may miss them. If you're so focused on yourself, if you're so focused on your family or the circumstances, you may just miss Jesus walking by on the water and miss out on a great opportunity. Now, I did not say that focusing on your family, focusing on you, and focusing on your trouble is wrong. It's not. You have to focus on yourself. You have to focus on your family. You have to focus on your, on your difficulty or your problem, but not to the extent that it takes your primary focus off of God. We must have our primary focus always on God. And so the 12 disciples now, they're sitting in the boat... We don't know how 11 of them responded, do we? Because the Bible is silent. They may have responded with caution, with wonder, with disbelief, maybe. Maybe they had a mixture of all of those thoughts running through their minds. But one of the disciples, Peter, is about to do something that no other man has or ever will do, and that's walk on water. In this unique situation, 
3 o'clock in the morning in the midst of a brutal storm where seasoned sailors are thinking they may die, Jesus is present, His presence is acknowledged, and one of the disciples is going to do something extraordinary and walk on water. See, I want to be that one. And I believe by your presence tonight, you'd like to be that one. I don't want to be like the other 11. Now, I'm not being critical of them, but at this time in their life, I don't want to be like them. Now, we're talking about John. We're talking about James. We're talking about the other disciples. And they probably were confused, uncertain, maybe had disbelief, but one of the disciples got it. In the midst of a storm, in midst of trouble, not because of sin or disbelief or disobedience, just a storm that God put in their life to test them, Jesus' presence, they, they acknowledge, Peter acknowledges the presence of God, and he's going to walk on water. He's going to do something awesome, extraordinary. So not only do water walkers see the presence of God, acknowledge the presence of God in their circumstances. Secondly, water walkers discern between faith and foolishness. Water walkers, say that fast about five times. That's why I'm saying it so distinctly. Water walkers discern between faith and foolishness. Peter goes on to say, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. You see, walking by faith is not risk taking. It's not throwing everything to the wind and hoping for the best. You know, hope in God, hope in eternal life is not like the world says, I'm hoping for that. I'm hoping for that. Biblical hope is confident that this is not maybe going to happen, but is going to happen on the authority of the written Word of God. That's what we're talking about here. You and I, if we're going to be water walkers, if we're going to do something extraordinary with the talent sets that God's given all of us, we must discern between an authentic call from God and what simply might be a foolish, a foolish impulse of our own. Courage alone is not enough. Courage is wonderful and it's needed, but it's not enough. Courage must be accompanied by wisdom and godly discernment. Before Peter gets out of the boat, he makes sure Jesus thinks it's a good idea. And before you step out and take a Sunday school class, before you step out and start working on the bus ministry, before you step out and start participating in certain things, certain ministries of the church, you make sure it's not an impulse of yourself because that will fizzle and die eventually in your own power, but make sure it is an authentic call from God that's leading you into that position. You know, when Peter 
When Peter said, Lord, if it be thou, bids me come unto thee. This is my own little version here, all right? But I think Jesus smiled. And I think as Jesus was smiling, he smiled because he's thinking one of my disciples got it. One of the twelve got it. Peter had some inkling, I think, of what Jesus was trying to do. And that was, in the midst of trouble and problems in a storm, uh, to have his disciples do something extraordinary for their Savior. Peter had enough faith to believe that he too could take this wonderful adventure with his Savior. You see, I think it would have been wonderful if all of them would have walked on water. What a wonderful thing, but only one of the twelve. So, water walkers discern the presence of God. And also, they discern that it is an authentic call from God, not a foolish impulse. Number three, water walkers get out of the boat. You cannot walk on water. I guess on some boats you could, but uh, not the boat we're talking about. If you're going to be a true water walker, you must get out of your boat. Now, here's the scene again. May I paint it for you. A violent storm. Three o'clock in the morning. One of the darkest times of the day. You have seasoned professional sailors struggling. Gigantic waves. Violent winds. And as I said, the darkness of the night. These are the conditions. Now truly now, put your self in Peter's position. You know it's Jesus passing by. You've discerned his presence. You know it's Jesus. You know he's invited you to come on the water with him. So you know he's present. You know it's an authentic call from God. But at the same time, I'm sure Peter, like you and I, would be scared to death. Now what would you choose? Ask yourself that question. What would you choose? The water or the boat? Now the boat is safe, secure, and comfortable. You think it is. You think the boat is safe, but is it? You think your boat is secure, but is it? You think it's comfortable, but really is it now? The water now is rough, the waves are high, the wind is strong. I mean, there is a, a raging uh, storm out there, and if you get out of your boat, there's a good chance you're going to die. Now, these are just things they could have been thinking. But if you don't get out of the boat, if you don't get out of your boat, there is, I can guarantee you that if you do not get out of your boat, I can guarantee you, you'll never walk on water. And my friends, may I encourage you with this statement? There is more to life than just sitting in your boat. Where you think it's secure, 
and safe and comfortable. You and I have made for some we have been made for something more than merely avoiding failure. Many people, their goal in life is just not to fail. But we're made for something just for just not avoiding failure. Failure. We're made for so much more than that. We are made to glorify God, to build His kingdom with souls of boys and girls and young people and adults of all ages. God wants us to leave our place of comfort. God wants us to leave our routine existence and abandon ourselves to a life of faith following God. Because your boat, which you think is secure and safe, is not. Because your safety and your security is where Jesus is. So would I rather be in the boat without Jesus or on the raging waves with Him? I am more safe and secure on the raging waters with Jesus than I am in a boat without Jesus. But that is where so many people live because they have this conception that this is safety and security. It is not our safety and security as children of God is in the presence of God. Let me ask you another question. What might be your boat tonight? It is whatever represents safety and security apart from God. Your boat is whatever you attempt to put your trust in, especially when the storms are raging. Your boat is whatever keeps you so comfortable that you don't want to give it up, even if it keeps you from joining Jesus on the water. It could be your job. It could be a relationship. It could be a secret that you are hiding. It could be a family member that you feel is your safety and your security. It could be the success that you have in life. But whatever your boat may be, leaving it is going to be one of the hardest things that you've ever done. But as I said, but if you don't leave your boat, you will never walk on water. I can guarantee you that. So not only do water walkers recognize God's presence... They discern between faith and foolishness. Thirdly, water walkers get out of their boat, whatever it might be. Fourthly, they expect problems. Water walkers expect problems. As you know, the story goes on. Peter gets out of his boat, out of the boat. All the other disciples, I'm sure, are watching very keenly at what's going to happen with Peter. I would be. They have in the times past uh, seen Peter shoot off his mouth many times. They wonder how far Peter's going to make it. You can see it, can you not? If you picture it in your mind, Peter going over the side of the boat, probably 
had his hand still on the boat when he was over the side. But then ultimately, Peter abandons his boat and goes for Jesus. For the first time in history, an ordinary human being is walking on water. You imagine what Peter must have felt like? He must have been beaming with delight, walking on water. I believe Jesus is thrilled that one of his disciples has faith enough to get out of the boat and walk on water. Like master, like disciple. But then as you know how the story goes, it happens. Peter saw the wind. Peter noticed the waves and the rain. Reality sets in. He realizes there's no boat beneath him. And he starts to sink. And he becomes very anxious, I'm sure. But look at the situation. Look at it, though. Think about it. Nothing's really changed. The storm should have come at no surprise to Peter. Because the storm was there when he was in the boat and out of the boat. The storm has been there all along. But what is taking place is that Peter's focus has shifted now from the Savior to the storm. And we all know what it's like to see the storm and the wind around us, don't we? We know what it's like when we enter a new job and the anxiety that can fill us. Uh, we know what it's like to move to a new location and have to meet new people and find new stores and the Department of Motor Vehicle or whatever they call it down here and all of that. All the anxiety that fills us, even starting a new ministry. The anxiety that can fill us and how we can get our focus off of Jesus very easily. At the beginning of any new situation, we're full of faith like Peter was when he got out of the boat. But it is, uh, it, it's, like, it's like sunshine, blue skies, and then suddenly reality sets in, setbacks occur, opposition happens, and unexpected obstacles get in your way. And you see the wind. And you see the waves. You know, it should be expected because the world is a very stormy place for us Christians. But somehow, troubles still have the power. I don't know how it happens, but it does, doesn't it? Somehow, troubles still have the power to catch us by surprise somehow. It's just one of those things. Because of the wind, some people decide to never leave their boat. But if you get out of the boat... My friends, you're going to meet the wind. And you're going to meet the storm face to face. However, there is no guarantee though that if you stay in the boat, it's going to be any safer. You get out of the boat, walk on water, do something extraordinary for God, a new ministry, something of that nature, and yes, the wind, the waves, the rain is there, but the wind, the storm, the rain is still there, even in the boat. But realize, Jesus is not in the boat. If you step up to the plate, you might strike out. 
I remember doing that many times, playing ball. And it's never fun. But I'm going to tell you this. If you never step up to the plate, I will guarantee you this, you will never hit a home run. You may never strike out, but you will never hit a home run. There is danger in getting out of the boat, but there is danger in staying in your boat. If you live in the if you live in your boat, again, whatever that might be to you, you will eventually from like a spiritual standpoint become stagnant and kind of just wither away. Because living in your boat is not living by faith. It's living by what you think is secure and safe, where our safety and our security should be in Christ. And may I end with this now. Not only do water walkers recognize God's presence, they discern between faith and foolishness. Water walkers get out of their boat. Number four, water walkers expect problems. And the number, next number, water walkers master failure management. Water walkers master Failure management. When Peter saw the wind, he gave in to fear. He began to sink in the water. So let me pose another question to you tonight to make you think along with me. Did Peter fail? Now don't answer that so quickly. Did Peter fail? Before you answer that question, if Peter really did fail... Let me give you two illustrations. One of them is Dr. Jonas Salk, S-A-L-K, who invented the polio vaccine. He tried 200 unsuccessful times at coming up with the polio vaccine. Somebody asked him this question, how did it feel how did it feel to fail 200 times? Jonas Salk replied, I never failed 200 times in my life. I was taught not to use the word failure. I just discovered 200 ways how not to vaccinate against polio. So before we answer the question, did Peter fail? Think about that. Secondly, Winston Churchill, he had, believe this or not, he had to repeat a grade in elementary school. He was once asked, you mean you failed a year in grade school? Winston Churchill replied, I never failed anything in my life. I was given a second opportunity to get it right. And so, did Peter fail? I suppose he did in a way. 
His faith may not have been as strong as he thought. He had doubts that were stronger. And for a period of time, fear dominated his faith. He saw the wind. He saw the storm. He took his eyes off of Jesus where they should have been. And he sank and he did fail at that time. But here's what I think. There were 11 bigger failures sitting in the boat. They failed quietly. They failed privately. For most of the time when you read this passage, and I'm guilty of it too, their failure goes unnoticed, unobserved, and uncriticized because our focus is on Peter. Only Peter knows the shame of public failure. But only Peter knows how to walk on water. See, once you walk on water, you're never going to forget it. And once you've experienced the power of God in your life like Peter did, you will not be the same. You will want it again and again. You will seek after it, hunger after it, desire it. You will have a passion for it once you've tasted the power of God in your life. Only Peter knew the glory of being lifted up by Jesus in a moment of desperate need. I love it when Jesus, when Peter called out to Jesus. The word that we find in our Bible is that Jesus immediately stretched forth his hand. The other 11 disciples did not experience that. Only Peter did. Because he was willing to get out of his boat. Peter shared a moment, he shared a connection, he shared a trust in Jesus that none of the other 11 had. The worst failure is not to sink in the waves. The worst failure is to never get out of your boat. And so, as we look at this awesome passage, I ask you, when was the last time you got out of your boat? When you left your comfort zone and realized your security is not what you think it is unless you think it's Jesus, because that's what your security and safety is. We tend to seek a world of comfort. We tend to seek a manageable, predictable, secure life, trying to maintain the illusion that we are in control. And then God comes by and he shakes everything up. The call to get out of your boat might come in a crisis, might come in a ministry opportunity, might come when you have failed in something. It might come when you're living in fear, uh, when you might be suffering, or when a task 
too big for you is asked of you. And it's time to step out by faith. And so tonight, just to encourage all of us, because as I started, all of us have a talent set given to us by God. We can take our talent set and sit in our boat and think we're safe and secure. All along, Jesus is out there bidding us to be with him. I pray it's your desire tonight that you want to be where Jesus is. Not in your own mind, safe and secure boat, but where Jesus is. Again, I said it earlier and I'll say it tonight again. I would rather be in the midst of a ravenous, raging storm with Jesus than in a boat in a calm sea. Because I'm safer in the midst of a storm with Jesus than I am in a boat in a calm sea without Jesus. So may I encourage you tonight, brothers and sisters in Christ, some of you might have your hand on the edge of the boat, time to let go, and venture off towards Jesus. If you sink, that's okay. He'll be there. And he'll immediately stretch forth his hand to bring you to him. Forsake the boat tonight and go to Jesus. And do something extraordinary. You say, you know what? I'm old. I don't have much to do physically. That may be very true. Do something extraordinary in your prayer life. Do something extraordinary with your meditation life as you think about God and the people of God. Just get out of your boat and be with Jesus. Walk on water. Live a life of faith. I'd rather be with Peter than with the other 11. No matter what they did, those 11 can never say they walked on water. I pray that you and I, we're not going to walk on water, obviously, unless it's frozen. But may we say, as Peter can say, that I did get out of my safety and security that I thought was safety and security, and by faith, I went for Jesus. Father, thank you for this time tonight. I thank you for this, this awesome story in Matthew 14. Thank you for giving us this illustration. And Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ here tonight that we would launch out and by your power and by your grace, live a life of faith. Not clinging to what we think is safe and secure, but clinging to you who is safety and who is security. 
I know it's wonderful to feel comfortable, safe, and secure, but may we realize that those types of feelings can truly only be found if we're walking with you. So help us make decisions tonight that would glorify you. Father, if there be a man, a woman, a young person, a child here tonight, they might not even have any idea what we're talking about because they don't know Jesus as their Savior. I pray that you would work in their hearts. Father, let them know they need a Savior, and the only Savior that has satisfied you is your Son, Jesus. And may they come forward tonight, allowing us to take them to the back and show, with them, through the word of, show them through the Word of God how they can be certain that they're saved, a child of God, and on their way to heaven. Bless now this time of invitation. May your will be done. May your children respond. In Jesus' name. Amen. If we all...
say 